0: This is episode 60 of Alohomora for December 7th, 2013.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 60. I am Eric Skull.
2: I'm Laura Riley.
1: And I'm Michael Harley. And our
0: guest today... Is Catlin Jarrett from the forums also known as Broadway Cat? Welcome to the show.
3: Good to be here. Thank you.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: All right, um, I'm a theater and an English major in university, and I am a Hufflepuff.
4: Yay!
0: What school
3: do you go to? Um, I go to Brock University. In Where is it? Canada. That? In Canada. It's on. Oh, Canada. Canada. Yeah. Uh huh. See, so I always right. know
2: because like. It, I knew it was in America probably because everyone who's not in America says university rather yeah. than like college. So I was like, I wonder where she is. Okay. No, Canada. Very
3: cool.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. And you're, and you're a Broadway girl?
3: Yeah, I'm a big musical person, so if it fit.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Nice. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Kat. Well, We're really thanks. excited to have you here.
3: I'm really excited to be here.
2: Okay, and uh, just a quick reminder to you guys, uh, please make sure you've read chapter 22 of Goblet of Fire, The Unexpected Task, a favorite chapter of mine, just so that you fully appreciate everything we've got to say about it.
1: Indeed, and we'd like to take a quick moment now to thank our sponsor for this episode, Audible. Exclusively for listeners of Alohomora, they are offering a free audiobook download. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. So head over to audiblepodcast.com slash open, that's O-P-E-N, to get your free audiobook now. So, before we jump
0: into the discussion for this week, we are going to look back at some of the comments from last week's episode, and we're going to head it off with um, an, an anonymous comment that was left on our audio boo. A
5: thought that occurred to me while I was listening to your last episode. Um, <clears throat> I was wondering, when you were discussing how Maddo's eye can see through Harry's invisibility cloak, which is a supposedly unsee-throughable Deathly Hallow that trumps everything and I was thinking about how the other day well not the other day but on another episode you're talking about how the cloak and the Elder Wand would they cancel each other out and I was thinking that if that was true would could Mad-Eyes Moody I have the resurrection stone in it because before Harry all the time we see Moody Harry doesn't know about the resurrection stone. And it's not until Mad Eye's dead do we actually find it. And I'm not sure if this is just a movieism, but the stone is. I mean, the eye is in Umbridge's office, but she's not using it in the same way, so that could be different.
1: Well, I would actually say if, if, if Mad Eye Moody started seeing dead people. I would say he has the Resurrection Stone in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: then that would be an entirely different series altogether. Although he could, yes. he, you can see dead people in the wizarding world.
2: I mean, mm. like, everybody's like, it's got a resurrection one of those crazy things that, like, because like, of what they're saying of that it doesn't, you know, we only see it after Moody's dead, but and, like, I don't know. It just it's so impossible. Yeah, there but. there
0: there's a whole thing about accounting for where the eye was but the or the ring was, but the thing is Dumbledore doesn't he show Harry the ring in Half-Blood Prince?
1: Yeah, and it has a Deathly
0: oh. Hella symbol in it, I think. Yeah <laughs> for that, yeah. <laughs> He's had it that whole time and he would have had been wearing it. So he Oh would yeah, have had it's to. A,
2: it's in the ring. Yeah, so Yeah. Myth busted. But,
0: <laughs> very cool idea. I mean, if Back in the day before Half-Blood Prince came out and we actually might have known something about the Hallows, that might have actually been a pretty interesting theory.
2: Have you you guys seen that article? I know it was like in my Facebook feed like last week where it's like the new thing, it's like eyeball jewelry.
1: Uh, No, I didn't
2: see
1: see jewelry, but I I know I've seen like weird pupils, like contact lenses that do weird things like magic gate balls and stuff. Yeah, no um, this is
2: like straight up embedding like a jewel in your eyeball. Wow. Yeah. Well,
1: that, sounds that sounds
3: which sounds like a terrible idea. There's people everybody. that have actually tattooed their eyeballs now too. That's the new thing.
0: <gasps> That's hard. I don't know That's why. That's the new thing? <laughs> yeah,
3: well it's one of the All new the things. kids are doing like, it. Yeah, there's people that get like blue put in there or get fluorescent colors in there. It's really weird.
1: I just wouldn't want to mess with my sight. It's like don't touch my eye. Don't don't do it. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I'm, sure Modi, I'm sure Moody. I'm sure Moody gets poked in the eye all the time.
0: <laughs> Moody seems like the kind of person who would actually like tell people to try
1: and poke his eye, so because <laughs> he could see them coming from a mile away. <laughs> so all right, fifteen galleons to anyone who can get close enough to poke my eye. <laughs> so
0: there's probably not a resurrection stone in Moody's eye, but. Wonderfully out. I-, I love hearing theories like that, actually, just because it reminds me of the good old days when before mm. we knew all the answers. Um, yes. a lot of the discussion, uh, turned in the forums and on the main site to house elves, of course, because last hel- last, uh, week's chapter was the house elf liberation front chapter. And, uh, we had a comment in the forums from tweak six that was, I thought was, um, really interesting to note. Tweaks uh, said, I was wondering where Dobby's wages are actually coming from. In my personal headcanon, Dumbledore pays Dobby out of his own funds, knowing he could never justify paying a house elf with school funds to the school governors. So he just happily indulges Dobby in support of equality for all. And I liked this because this recalls back the fact that people like Lucius Malfoy are on the school board and would probably never allow for funds to be used this way. Mm. Um so it is yeah, actually a pretty big deal that Dumbledore's doing this,
1: yeah, um I mean it, it's certainly not going to break Dumbledore's bank uh considering mm. we find out what uh what he is paying dobby, but that's that's per Dobby's request, you know a galleon a week or something like that i I think it is likely that Dumbledore is paying out of his own funds just because, as you say, the school funds are monitored by people like Lucius Malfa and the other governors who would be made to cause a stink if if that sort of knowledge were to come out.
0: Yeah, no, I I know from, uh, I mean, from Chamber of Secrets, obviously we know that Lucius nitpicks on any little thing, and it's even extrapolated on in um, Tales of Beetle the Bard that Dumbledore says that Lucius tried to get the book banned from Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> so because it has pro-muggle teachings, so I can't imagine he would have been okay with this. But because Dumbledore actually offered, didn't he offer Dobby ten galleons a week? yeah and like weekends off
1: or something like well, that well dumbledore dumbledore like um has a lot of this money he doesn't use he doesn't go on vacation you know imagine him with like suntan lotion on his nose and <laughs> board shorts I, I just think he stays at the a homebody you know <laughs> <laughs> but we um we
0: had a lot more discussion about house elf some more from that was uh started on uh the forums by tweak6 and continued by a, quite a few people but uh the conversation here was about specifically house elf clothing and tweak said i was a little confused on the whole clothes discussion was it decided that only clothes that were made to be clothes are considered clothes and thus allow the elf to be free or is it that the master decides what is and isn't clothes like if the master fashioned a towel into a dress or toga would it then be considered clothes and then the elf would be free or because it's not labeled an article of clothing, it doesn't count. Despite it looking like clothing, so the elf isn't free, and yet has something to wear. And this came from uh the discussion about how the Hogwarts house elves wear uh tea towels with a stamp of the Hogwarts crest. So mm-hmm. it's like official
1: clothing for them, but it's not clothes. Right, and it's like, well... Okay. I get that they're small elves. They could fit into a tea or a pillow, a pillowcase, I should say, you know, but really ultimately could, you know, if you want a working force, why wouldn't they have uniforms that, that fit them that are robes or, you know, maybe loose fitting an apron or something that's not mm-hmm. a towel? But then somebody, um, one of the hosts last week pointed out, well, wouldn't that be like freeing them then?
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is, and, uh, Stone Hallows brought that up in the forum too, which, um, so and uh, Stonehell has said would that mean that they are they these clothes were purposed to cover the house elves and therefore make them clothing are those house elves free and
1: they don't know it and is that an ethical <laughs> issue <laughs> so it's such a tricky subject right freeing ho- accidentally freeing house elves there mm-hmm. there's got to be like a um, a a a talk group or therapy for people who've accidentally freed their house elves <laughs> uh, centuries of servitude just gone just gone
0: so the other issue that came up along with the technicality of the clothes is actually house self enslavement itself and exactly how it works to free a house elf um we got a comment from Pigwidgeon on the forums that said is the clothes equals freedom thing a spell or enchantment that releases them from the house or is it just a moral tie of the elf that keeps them there until the clothing is given. If that's the case, what if an elf is given clothes, say because the master wants their elf to have a free life, but the elf refuses the clothes or takes the clothes but refuses to leave? Do they have to go because of a broken spell? Or do they have to go because that's the rules? Um. So basically the comment is boiling down to, is this magic that is enslaving them? Or is it it, it, like something somewhat, I guess the only equatable thing we could think of that we've seen as the unbreakable vow um or uh, the goblet I don't think
2: it's magic whatsoever
0: you think it's just
2: because of just how much um Dobby kind of, when he was still under the enslavement of the Malfoys, I feel like if it was like a magical thing binding him, he wouldn't even be able to like leave the house and go to Harry kind of in any capacity. So I think he was pretty much just like towing the line, like sneaking out essentially. And I think if there was something magical keeping him there, that would have physically been impossible. Mm. So I think it's just like, you know. Just regular old slavery of like, you know, the only thing that's actually keeping there is just because one man said that he's superior.
1: So it's the will of the house elves. They can overcome their own um, teachings. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing.
3: It's I, uh, kind I... of like, oh, sorry, because it's like a traditional thing. I know with house elves, they always reminded me of like brownies, which are little fairies that would clean your house in like British mythology. And The way to get rid of them would be like you give them milk or you give them like certain things and it was like following these steps and in a story like uh, elves and the shoemaker when they're presented with clothes it's okay you gave us something now we're obligated to leave so that's the way i always thought of it but um if it was an enchantment then it kind of makes sense that why would dobby not be able to leave then when he's having issues and if you know Mm -hmm. that made any sense whatsoever
1: no, yeah, de- it did. Yeah, there doesn't seem to exist a sense of urgency to treat your house elves right. right. Um, there is no fear of losing him. In fact, Creature, uh, in Book 5, this is brought up a little later on, um, but, you know, Sirius essentially commands him to leave. And that's the only reason he's actually able to leave the physical presence of the house, even though he still remains in the employ of the blacks in one way or another. Um, so I would side with the fact that it's magic only because it seems like in these extreme circumstances, Dobby still wasn't able to completely free himself. Um, he was afforded a lot of freedom though. So it's kind of one of those things where it's probably, uh, somewhere in between or it's both. There were, um, uh, some other really interesting
0: comments that, cause actually looking, uh, like Kat said about, uh, looking back at like the elves and the shoemaker type thing and what that. In more of a fairy tale context, um some of our listeners were looking at it from a historical context, and this is why I'm inclined to think that it's actually not magical, and more with kind of what Laura was saying because uh Stone Hollows in the Forum said regarding freed house freed elves not wanting to leave, I think it would be similar to the concept of a freed slave before the Civil War. If a master freed the slave and both agreed, the slave could stay on as an employee for the master, but it would have to be mutual. And in the book, Crouch didn't agree and would have forcibly not let Winky work for him anymore. So she was forced to find somewhere else to go. If he had agreed to let her stay until she wanted to leave, I think
1: that would have been allowed. Um, Hmm. So because society isn't really prepared for an elf without a master, you know, a free elf, uh, they would stay on as a convenience. They would be paid and treated. They'd still be free, but they would resume mo- most of their previous tasks uh, right. from when they weren't free. Yeah, interesting, interesting.
0: Because I do think because this was again that also there there was a big discussion in the forum between some of our moderators, Allie Wood and Kai Kid, as well as uh, Dolphin Patronus about what exactly if there were any specific historical accounts of slavery that Rowling was referencing, um, it was brought up that, you know, could it have been America's slavery, the, uh, British colonialism, child slavery in British workhouses. There were a lot of different things that people were pointing out of examples of slavery in the past. Um, and I'm, that's why I'm inclined to agree that it's not magic because, um, Rowling was making a comment on slavery and you know, to to say that the house elves are bound by magic and that there's they, they I, I think that kind of diminishes the. I'm, uh, I, it kind of gets confusing with Dobby and him being kind of a unique case, um, and whether he was doing it of his own free will or if there was magic by pulling him back, um, so that's just where where why I agree that it's not magic. OK, um, but uh and cat magic in the forums also pointed out that house elves wearing clothes would be an outward sign of the, his or her particular personality as an individual. And of course, we know that enslaved house elves have personalities as well, but they are not supposed to be recognized as individuals in their enslavement and thus are made mm-hmm. to wear not clothes as a sign of their interchangeability as slaves, which is a part of the inhumane nature of slavery in general
2: yeah so it's really taking away their identity, yeah, or not letting them have one to be in with,
0: yeah, so there were some really great questions and 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 uh exp- explorations of how hell selves kind of hark back to our history of and of slavery and humanity and um so there was some really great discussion on that point uh the other interesting thing too on the main site was there was a conversation between Elvis Gaunt. Aronin, Froggy, HP, MB3, and Dolphin Patronus on wh- exactly how the rules work with freeing a house elf. Um, because they men- a few of them mentioned if you were to hand a house elf your laundry to do, would that free them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> house elves do everything except your laundry. Except your laundry.
0: And um, they also referenced the fact that Hermione tries to get the house elves to pick up clothes. Um, and, <laughs> I forgot. And versus Lucius Malfoy handing Dobby a sock in Chamber of Secrets and that he did not intend to free Dobby by handing it to him, but it worked anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a part, if we are thinking there might be a magical element in here, is it, does the owner of the house elf have to physically give them the clothes and does there or does there not have to be an intention to free the elf? Um Because now, we know none of the house elves pick up Hermione's clothes because Dobby takes them all. <laughs> so, but yeah. if if they did, Hermione's not their master anyway. So would that have even freed them?
2: Yeah, I think the important thing is that it has to come from the master. I think the master's the only one that can free. It's the fact that Lucy has handed Dobby the sock. So I think just picking it up isn't gonna work. The only, like, loophole I find specifically in this case is that Hogwarts is technically, like, their master. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if they're finding it like at Hogwarts or something, it's not like they just like someone gave them clothes on the street. That might be like a slight loophole. But, um, I think even without intention, it works. Cause we see that with Malfoy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that was, I think that's probably cause that, that's, that's w that was also discussed on, on the main site about whether at Hogwarts, if Dumbledore is the master of the house elves or if it's everybody in general um, including the students since the elves do, do the work for the, do work for the students. Right. Um, So, but to break up the discussion about house elves a little bit, um, Catelyn actually had a really interesting observation about, uh, Seamus Finnegan that, uh, has kind of a brief moment in the previous chapter. Um, Catelyn, did you want to talk about that a little bit since you're here?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I just basically saw that when Seamus and Neville were talking about the golden egg at the welcome, or the congratulations party for Harry, that they both came out with two different ideas of what the screaming of the mermaids could mean. And when Neville came up and saying, well, it's somebody being tortured under the Cruciatus curse, Neville came up, or Seamus came up with the idea of, no, it's a banshee, maybe you have to take care of one of them. And remembering from Prisoner of Azkaban, a uh, banshee is actually Seamus's uh, bogart, so it was kind of neat to see that both Seamus and Neville, in facing this, thinking of this challenge, immediately think of two things that frighten them the most, and that Seamus's has stayed the same through thir- uh, through third year and as a banshee, and that Neville's has since evolved, probably because he's been faced with Moody. And because he's actually seen the Cruciatus Curse and is realizing maybe there's a little bit more scary things in the world than Professor Snape.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only a few, though. Only a few. Snape is pretty terrifying.
0: I really liked this that, that that you pointed this out, Catelyn, Though, just because I'm I I do think that because we have two examples of Seamus mentioning banshees and I and because I don't think ro- rolling goes for like stereotyping her characters just to say, well, banshees are Irish. So Seamus yeah. is going to always talk about banshees. <laughs> I, I like the idea that maybe there's some experience that he had with a banshee in the past that perhaps I'm hoping again, this is, and there's been a lot of, we've been talking about this a lot lately, but we're hoping that Pottermore is listening because it would be great to get a backstory on Seamus because he's probably, he's, uh, we have a somewhat of a backstory on Dean Thomas. Um, more than what's in the
1: books, but we don't really know that much about Seamus. Well, I didn't get rid of the abandoned banshee by smiling at her. <laughs> oh,
0: ho, ho,
1: ho, ho. oh Yes.
0: I did want to give a shout-out to a few of our other commenters on the forum here. Uh, Jess Fudd had a very humorous comment about Scabbers being turned into a goblet, um, and on the main site, Claire Marie and FrogHPMB3 uh, had... Uh, some great comments about uh, the meanings behind each tournament challenge in the goblet, and you can visit our forum and our main site to check out more of the discussion that was going on because there was a lot of great uh, there were a lot of great topics brought up this week.
2: Okay, and uh, we just want to take a quick moment to tell you about something exciting in case uh, you haven't heard about it yet. But MuggleNet um, is For right in time for the holidays, we are selling fandom calendars. So the calendars are really cool. We sold them last year, but these ones are brand new and improved. And they include, it's the only calendar out there that includes all the dates from the Harry Potter series, like all the big milestones, character birthdays, actor birthdays, and also like real life fandom events like when the Quidditch World Cup is and when LeakyCon is. So it's pretty much like the ultimate calendar book for um the Harry Potter fan and the theme is really cool cuz the pictures are all from uh Cat and Caleb's trip that they went through um which were all the Harry Potter filming locations mm-hmm. so it's really really pretty all of the stuff there you've obviously seen the movies you know how astounding the cinematography is and they pretty much saw all of those sites and uh so it's really cool you should te- check it out it's awesome all right so that's 15.95 which includes US shipping uh, if you're in the US, and $14 plus shipping and handling to Canada, and 17, $17 plus shipping and handling if you live in any other part of the world. So, order before December 8th, and you get a free digital copy without the photos. So, if you wanted to, you know, load that up on your smartphone or make that your desktop background so that you can always know what's going on in the fandom, mark when the new episodes of Love are coming out so you never forget. <laughs>
1: Yes, I in particular do, uh, I didn't, I do not want to overlook Martin Bayfield's birthday. Martin Bayfield is the stand-in for Hagrid, and his birthday is coming up in the next couple weeks. So, if you get the Phantom calendar in time, you can observe his birthday. With me, because I'll be baking a cake. <laughs> and now we'd like to get into our podcast question of the week from last week responses, uh, also about Hal Selves. Here is the question that we asked. In this chapter, the trio visits the kitchens for the first time. They find Dobby and Winky, who are both still powerfully restricted from being truly free of their former masters, either by conditioning or by magic. Ron loves the service in the kitchens, but is Hermione right in reacting so strongly to this situation? The Hogwarts elves don't side with either Winky or Dobby. They keep to their work. How are we meant to take the elf situation in the Harry Potter books? Is it more disgraceful that Dobby and Winky are in this situation or that the house elves look down on them for acting out? And let me just say we got a lot of responses um, and similar to the responses that we just read from the last week's episode, all of these are visible, viewable on our forums and on the Alohomora main site at alohimora.muckleNet.com. So this is just a small clipping of the interesting, fascinating discussions you will find just a click away on the site. Um, and we do encourage you to go and read and participate, uh, in that, uh, you know, comment and in that discussion weekly on our show. Um, so much more there than we can possibly fit into an episode of this podcast. But, uh, regardless, the first podcast response we're going to read, uh, from last week comes from Claire Marie. Uh, she says, While I do think Hermione is wrong to push such ideals on a group of creatures who truly are not ready to accept such a life, I don't think this argument is as much about how the house elves react to their current situation as it is about the people over them. A family like the Malfoy family obviously feels entitled to a house elf and believes that because of their lineage they are owed this luxury. But somebody like Hepsiba Smith treated Hokie as a beloved part of her household the interactions we see of Hoki and Hepzibah Smith are very nice and warm from both parties. More than anything, I think Rowling is trying to alert the reader to question how they treat those who are beneath them. We see this highlighted later in Gobble to Fire when Sirius is speaking about Barty Crouch Sr.'s character and tells the trio to watch how he treats his inferiors and not his equals if they want to see who he truly is. Um... I appreciated this comment because it uh brings up this quote, which is probably one of my favorite quotes in the Harry Potter series, but it has to do with series and it has to do with this book, so perhaps it's not specifically as much about slavery as we would make it, and more about just character development and watching these people mistreat these elves, uh whereas Dumbledore offers to pay them
4: yeah
0: i I like th- this because it kind of explains how Hermione's argument for this evolves over the series. Um, because I think that's part of the reason why she's not listened to in Goblet of Fire, sadly, is because she is arguing that, you know, everybody's got to go down to the kitchens and rally the house elves, and everybody's like, that's not going to work, because the house elves are, they're resigned to this way of life. They're, some of them are happy, most of them are happy with this way of life. Whereas By Order of the Phoenix, when she kind of watches how Sirius treats creature she suddenly starts realizing that maybe she should be targeting the people who take care of these house elves um, Mm. and changing those people's perspectives or, you know, indicting those people who mistreat their house elves. um, Mm -hmm. Because that... that, Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Laura.
2: No, sorry, I cut you off.
0: No, please, please.
2: All right, well, I'm an anthropology major and... So, one of the few things you can do with anthropology is by, <laughs> um. Wait, wait, quiet everybody.
1: Laura's using her degree.
2: R- right. This is one of <laughs> an only moment. It'll come up. Um, but anyway, I took a class last year that was, uh, contemporary forms of slavery and r- really, and that's, you know, stuff. All of, a whole range of things throughout the world of what could can and cannot be considered slavery. You know, something like this is outright slavery, but it's a really complicated argument that comes up through all that, throughout all of that is the whole idea of, like, oh, but, you know, like, they like it that way or something, or, like, it, or they're used to it or something, and it's really not a healthy train of thought because it's, comes down to really, like, structural violence of, like, they like, they go into the, they're willingly participating in this, like, Mayan, in this lifestyle because the alternative of, like, not having a place or not having a job is not, you know, a good one, mm-hmm. like how Dobby was having so much trouble finding work because no one would pay him, you know, obviously, it's it's very different comparing all these things, but at the same time, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with the idea of, like, that, you know, oh, well, the house elves want, like, being enslaved, which is a, uh, what Ron always says and what Fred and George say, because while that may be true, it's certainly not something that, like, is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, you have to consider what their alternatives are And it's important to kind of change the alternatives So make sure, like creating jobs or whatever Or conditions for house elves if they're not enslaved The whole point is that Dobby doesn't have anywhere to go And he finds Hogwarts, so at least there is Hogwarts But you know, I imagine there's house elves all over the world And Hogwarts Aww. shouldn't be the only place that you can go Especially only under Dumbledore's like reign and if what we said before that he might be paying them on like out of his own pocket is true, it's even more of a problem.
1: Yeah. And I agree with what Michael was saying as well. Hermione's going kind of quick um, and people, you know, some of the listener responses we got, including from Elvis Gaunt said, go slow, Hermione. And I think she she should be targeting a little bit more effectively for sure. Um, but uh, another comment comes from Knight Griffinpuff, And this one really uh, kind of expanded my mind. So I'll share it with you guys. Um Knight Gryffinpuff says, The problem with this question is that there are multiple possibilities. First, Hermione could be absolutely correct. A valid interpretation of the relationship is slavery, where the slaves have been brainwashed to accept their lot in life. Mm -hmm. If you accept that interpretation, then it's very hard to argue that the brainwashed slaves should be allowed to determine their place future in the relationship because they are brainwashed. Also, anyone using the satisfaction of the brainwashed slaves as justification has a similar flawed argument. In that context, the uh, satisfaction of the slaves is completely immaterial. Second, Hermione could be wrong. Uh, House Elves, abbreviated here H-Elves, that (laughs) confuses me. H-Elves, House Elves could be a creature that establishes a symbiotic relationship with a host. In that case, the House Elves would nurture their host and through the well-being of the host gain some resulting sustenance jujus uh, or a concrete benefit such as protection, as mentioned by Dan below, uh, that we can't see or understand since we do not know the particulars. ...of house elves. Symbiotic relationships are not unknown in the real world, plant kingdom, where two species coexist. There may even be examples where one effectively takes care of the other and receives less in return. I don't know enough about it, but with magic certainly anything is possible. So, the question becomes, what is it? With the information provided, I think the answer is that we do not know. House elves would just have to be studied to determine the truth. If human beings are not giving off magical jujus that are somehow actually feeding... The house elves. Then I would side with the former and Hermione. That actually is my interpretation of the situation in the book. However, Hermione and I could be wrong. Hermione's never yeah,
2: wrong. I, yeah, I still <laughs> hold to what I'm saying, which is that the first interpretation is the correct one. I would hold uh, to that second, too. The second, it's it's, and I know we're gonna get to this probably in the next comment, but by that whole symbiotic relationship thing relationship thing it says like the example they used was you know plants or something mm-hmm. but a plant isn't a thinking speaking yeah. thing like the thing that makes the house elves it's like it's complicated because you know magical creatures don't exist in the real world to kind of like rationalize that but at the same time like except and it's the same thing kind of with the centaurs too which we get on like they have thought and they speak and they feel and that may like and they opposable thumbs, everything, like they're (laughs) they're like human as close to human as they can get, so that makes it
1: Well, let's let's see if this comment from Dan Sharp does anything, so um, according to Dan Sharp, in the second interpretation, this is in response, direct response to the previous comment, wizards and house elves are like moguls and dogs the pairing of man and dog very early in human history was an extremely successful symbiotic relationship and many credit this with man's ability to reach the top of the food chain house elves through having their or house elves though having their own magic were too timid or whatever to be able to e- effectively protect themselves from other magical creatures and so happily paired with wizards who use them to improve their own lives both races survive and prosper compared with being on their own ooh i have problems with that
2: <laughs> yeah well that's I- saying house elves are dogs
1: yeah no no it's comparing the fruitfulness of the man dog relationship to the fruit, because here in this part of history, we see house elves as, as servants who are being mistreated. Uh, you know, ninety percent of the houses in the Harry Potter books are mistreated, so it's easy to say, "Oh yeah, they're they're well, animals or whatever." This is but, going but, this is going off of the
0: assumption that this basically the the problem here, I think, is, and I, I think my problem with this is that it contradicts I, I it contradicts to me what Rowling was trying to say with the house elves. Because, yeah, I agree. house elves, to say that house elves, one, we don't know the history of house elves. Um, and to assume, like, I almost feel that that is something that wizards who enforce house elf slavery, this is probably like the history that they would probably love written down in the history books. Um, is that, oh, they needed us because they, they had powerful magic, but they were too weak to use it.
1: Right. Well, I, That's- yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Like, that's, okay, I... that's in the, because again, if we're, if we're relating this to the history of slavery, that is one of many excuses that was used to excuse slavery was, oh, well, they're, right. they're weak and they need us. We're providing. And it's not
2: just that. It's like, oh, you know, oh, they're giving them a place to live. They're giving them food or whatever. Like, that's, you know, it's same thing could be said for slavery. They weren't just leaving them to totally fend for themselves. Yeah, they were giving them a place to live technically, and, like, feeding them technically, but, like, you know, that doesn't but mean wouldn't that's, it be interesting? That's assuming that they wouldn't be able to fend for themselves, because if, if I'm almost comparing it to, like, the goblins, and we know just from, like, side things that the goblins rebelled or whatnot, but you know, mm-hmm. the goblins aren't humans either, but they have jobs, I imagine, well-paid jobs in the banks and stuff like, and then you imagine they live normally so it's kind of the same thing of like if you're assuming the house elves can't take care of themselves when in fact they probably very much can because they're taking care of the wizards
1: yeah well but on a fundamental
0: magical level what if they need humans i don't think they don't i mean that's already been
1: dobby kind of proves that and creature proves that Um, well dobby is seen again meaning he does in a way prefer human company well, that lives um, on
2: his own for that matter. Well, yeah, like, no,
1: that's the, like that. But that's Dobby
0: just having like Dobby as far as like the way he is with Harry or Hermione or Ron. He considers them friends. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a symbiotic relationship. He's that's just a
1: normal relationship. But at the same time, he doesn't go off and he really he travels, but it's looking for work to ser- serving humans. He, does, well, he doesn't straight too far from what he already knows.
2: Yeah, he's the pioneer in this. He's the only one. Mm-hmm. So, like, he but can't I'm saying just go he, to could, his other he, free he could similarly
1: build a cabin and hunt and fish and provide for himself, and you know maybe start a family if he could find a female elf. Um, but where does he know?
2: get that money? Well, then,
1: completely yeah. away. There's no, it doesn't need money if you can build magic. If you can build a cabin by arranging some logs, you don't need money. Well, but Dobby's but- looking for a good
0: quality of life.
1: Like he, but, he, you yeah. get you get more quality of life living off the land than you would in some. But Dobby's civilized... never
0: been exposed to that. This is this is going back to to an argument of like what a freed slave was supposed. To. I mean, and again, I'm I can only use mm. my knowledge of American slavery because I don't. I I know a lot, quite a bit about colonialism, but I I'm not confident to use that since it's not America's history, and I don't know that as well. But. Um, I, you know, to, for a freed slave to just go out into the world if they were raised in slavery, they had to go get, like, they, they, they actively went to go get a job. They actively went to go, you know, find work so that they could be happy, feed themselves, have a, you know, a, a satisfying, fulfilling way of life. I, I, I don't think Dobby, Dobby could probably get things for himself to live, but he wouldn't have a satisfying, full, good quality life because
1: he's a social he's kind of like a social pariah they've that they, he would be an outcast socially but do you see what I'm saying that that shouldn't necessarily matter to them unless magically they were somehow needing it hmm.
3: can I um, mention something yes. as well? Um, yes, please. The, re- the reason I've always had issues kind of combining House Elves to slavery, which is there's a definite connection there, but I've always looked at it as a symbiotic, the need for them to be with humans or to have a place to go because of the statute of secrecy. Because in Muggle slavery, let's say, there's not there's not a, a much of a difference between another human being having someone in servitude. But with the House Elves, we're talking about like... Two foot tall things with bad ears. They can't exactly go out into the world because if they run into a muggle, it's like, oh God, what are you? So, their relationship maybe um, there's the need for the symbiotic relationship because of the statute of secrecy, because there's not many places a household can go because they're too noticeable by the way that they look. And because of their stature and what they look like, it's not like they can go off on their own. Because they're noticeably other and they're noticeably um, an alien kind of creature, whereas in human slavery it was just the matter of I have another human, another human being in servitude to me. So that's where the difference kind of is. What I would put up is just because they look differently, so like you can't let a house. Ha- there's no, there's you would have to figure out a way to hide a free house out farm you know what I mean, if they were to go off on their own like Dobby did, and that's maybe why even Dobby had to return to Hogwarts. Is because. There's well, there's if no you fun.
1: can make something unplottable, I mean, if humans can make something so it can't be found, surely House Elves, who has stronger magic, can make it like that as well. I was just interested in the connection, not because of American slavery, but because House Elves, you know, I th- I like the implication that perhaps they need humans on some fundamental magical um you know level where the fates are intertwined and that sort of thing. I was entertaining the fantasy of it. I don't really so much care about how these comments I'm making would be taken into account with American slavery because I don't think you'll find anyone to disagree that that was a horrible time um and shouldn't you know have happened and that it was a tremendous growth that we moved on from that in our culture. Um, oh, yeah, but,
0: no, of course, but I think,
1: but, but, um, a fantastic and I believe our final comment in response to last week's podcast question of the week comes from spectacularly hypothetical. We love your names, people, <laughs> uh, on the, uh, main site and they say the situation with the house elves in Harry Potter reminds me of an episode in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Arthur Dent comes across a cow that has been genetically engineered such that not only does it have sentience and the power of speech, but it also wants to be eaten. Arthur is horrified by this and thinks it's morally objectionable to eat the creature, even though it is inviting him to and is actually advising which parts of his body are most choice. The question here is: Is it morally acceptable to treat something in a way you would not want to be treated if that person, thing, or activity, or if that person or thing actively wants to be treated that way? The golden rule in all major bodies of morality is: treat others as you would be treated. And the house elves offer a serious threat to this basic rule of thumb, morally speaking. So I think the question is here: Would you eat the de- uh, desk pig that wants to be eaten? Um, <laughs> a nice tie into the desk pig But really, I think this is just a very interesting comment on the part of uh, commenting on the morality of the whole thing.
0: Well, and I think that goes back to Hermione and who she changed her target to. Because mm-hmm. I guess in this situation, Hermione would think, Hermione would act, react like Arthur Dent, but she would go, she would find out the person who made the cow. Mm. <laughs> so, and lecture them on what's morally right. Um, so I guess that's, I mean, that, that's the closest thing I could say in response to that is that it's, it's finding who's responsible for make, for, for the brainwashing essentially. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Okay. Well, that concludes our podcast questions, uh, or podcast responses to our podcast question of last week. Well, guys, we'd like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Audible, I love audiobooks, I know you love audiobooks, I think the next audiobook I will probably get is Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Galbraith, (coughs) JK Rowling, (coughs) it was recently nominated for Audible's UK Audiobook of the Year. Yeah,
0: I'm probably going to try and pick it up too, I was actually reading The Cuckoo's Calling this morning while I was waiting for my car to get fixed, and I kind of wish I had had... A, an audiobook for it because I was falling asleep while I was reading. Not because the book wasn't good, but because it probably would <laughs> I was just really tired. It would have been nice to have an audiobook. Um, and Audible is the best place for all downloading needs for books. And right now, Audible has a really great special offer for U.S. and Canadian listeners. They can visit our unique link at Alahomora, created specifically for our listeners, and get a free audio download Today, right now, and they just have to go to audiblepodcast.com/slash open.
2: You could also download it using Audible's listener program. So basically, you purchase book credit at a super low monthly rate, and then you could use it at any time for any product that that Audible offers.
0: With over 150 titles. Ty- uh- with over 150 thousand titles, you have a lot of options. Head over to audiblepodcast dot com slash open to s- and start downloading directly to your computer for easy listening on burned CDs, MP three players, and even your iPod, and even your iPad, iPhones, or Androids. Again, the website made just for you is audible a u d i b l e podcast podcast dot com slash open o p e n so visit audiblepodcast dot com slash open for your free download today.
2: All right, so then we're gonna move into our chapter discussion for this week.
0: Oh um, Cho, yeah. I, I always, um, chapter twenty I always, I always two. Won't go bawl me. The unexpected task. Ugh.
2: So first off, this is one of my favorite chapters. Ever. I just love it so much. I just think it's such a nice comic relief for, like, the whole series. It's the most Disney Channel sitcom episode we're ever going to get out of Harry Potter. Like, this was literally the plot of, like, a Lizzie McGuire episode, if you, like, just switched some details around. So all right so it begins with the gryffindors in transfiguration class and harry and ron are sword fighting in the back of the class with fred and george's fake wands there's a, really a lot of details to this battle like it sounds like fun like they were like ron has a tin parrot and harry's has a rubber haddock and it's not really a fair fight because ron's parrot beak severs the haddock's head but mcgonagall tells him to shut up and grow up because she has an announcement and she pretty, like, nonchalantly tells them that there's going to be the Yule Ball. She's just like, yeah, this is tradition, this is happening, but it's basically prom time. So everyone, at least the girls primarily, are like freaking out about it. So. Can I, can I
1: just say, I love the fact that this chapter is called, uh, The Unexpected, the unexpected Task. Unexpected <laughs> Task. Because yeah. it's like, it is a, it's, it's putting it up there with fighting dragons and, you know, rescuing your loved ones from underwater for an hour. I just, I love that it's put up there as being a task, and a task means something different in this book. So, and
2: and Harry really does put it exactly at that because he's like, I would rather battle the dragon again than <laughs> have to do right now, and I feel him. But uh yeah. it's you know, McGonagall explains that the Yule Ball it's a dance that's only open to fourth years and up, which to me is really unfair. Because there's not going to be another one within this group of students, like Hogwarts career. And this is the only social event I've ever seen at Hogwarts that isn't Quidditch. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> maybe that's a flaw of the right, like, a right. Because schools, the school system, we have dances, right? Occasionally here in America, you know, yeah. doesn't take a centuries old tournament to come by. So, well, but I, I get. I, I have yeah. the
2: question of whether or not just not even like dances, but do any type of like after school events occur at Hogwarts that maybe just Harry doesn't participate in because he doesn't care. But is there any type of social events like how, you know, high school is like a movie night or like something like that. Obviously, they're not having a movie, but like, you know, something like that's what my my problem with, with wizards is their incredible lack of creativity. <laughs> like there's magic. You, you can do something. But what do you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, and this is kind of the, I guess my ideas for this come from the extra stuff in the Potterverse, like the, the movies or the video games. But I, I really like when you wander around in, I think it's in the fifth video game. There's a, there's a Hogwarts chess club. There's a Hogwarts gobstones club. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the movie, yeah. of course, there's the, there's the choir, um, from That's the, the third movie onwards. And there's more extra, like, so the, the, the extra stuff. That we don't get from rolling, but we get, you know, that's studio mandated, I guess. Is that implies that there are clubs out there? And there's well, the
2: a... gobstones club is brought up. Yeah,
0: yeah so, there, yeah, there is.
2: That's Pottermore mentioned. canon now, but yeah.
3: um, and it was yeah. brought up in um Beetle the Bard that they used to have like a drama club because they yeah. had the whole um staging of Fountain of Fair Fortune. And the second video game for Game Boy, I know they had a music room where you could walk in, and there was just like a bunch of like instruments on the that's wall and cool. it was just really random places to go but there's obviously kind of trying to put in like oh yeah this is a school there's other clubs other than quidditch
0: i think the, yeah. the funny thing too about that we do see of club because that's great that you mentioned uh, beetle the bard cat because the the sad thing about the drama club is that the play of fountain of fair fortune goes so horribly awry that it catches the great hall on fire and dumbledore bans drama <laughs> from, the, from Hollywood. <laughs> entirely. And he's very proud of that. And the thing is, too, with, I, in the second book, we see the extracurricular activity of the dueling club. That also goes so completely awry. Um, yeah. that we, they, they, they don't, we don't see any further dueling clubs after that.
2: I wasn't even talking just clubs, though. Just like some social events, like some icebreakers,
0: like yeah, the like, I well, love I mean, Flobberworms Club or something like that. Not, yeah. not,
2: not clubs, but just like when, like my, I mean, I'm in college, so it's different. But even like high school, there would be like you know, they'd have like multicultural night and like popcorn night and game night, like
1: yeah, yeah, social for sure. Events. I, I think we should see because Harry's so focused on beating voldemort or or that he has to be like that's his life story but you'd still think like in this chapter uh one of the girls that harry turns down is like a foot taller than him and he's like (laughs) think about how weird it would be for us like how weird we would look dancing together and harry actually has that legitimate thought but what, how would he know? He's never been taught to dance. He's never been at a dance before. How do any of these students know how to dance? Oh, I'll get there. Or <laughs> how do they know how to dance? How do they know how to observe the the, the niceties of dancing? Because they haven't been taught it. This is their first dance. This is Harry's first uh-huh. dance. Unless he learned before he was eleven.
2: Yeah. Well, also something that's a bit of poor planning, or not poor planning, but obnoxious on Hogwarts part is that it occurs on Christmas, so maybe the people who maybe want to see their families at some point during their childhood, like, can't even go home for Christmas, because it's the only fun thing to ever happen at Hogwarts ever, so they're, like, not gonna miss (laughs) it. But, like, you know, continue to grow up without their parents. (laughs) So, it would be, like, it's even, like, all of Christmas break. Like, I would just want to be there for the Yule Ball, and then be like, alright, now can I go home? Like... I don't know how much of an actual break there is if it's really that long. I don't think it actually is. I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking like me where I have like a month, but I don't know. But lavender and and Parv- Parvati, I always pronounce her name wrong. Parvati. So I have my, is it Parvati? It's Parvati. Okay. Okay. Lavender and Parvati losing their minds, but I don't blame them for the aforementioned reasons. That this is the only fun thing to ever happen ever. So dressed robes are to be worn, which is different as far as the movie goes. Uh, for the girls, because you know, they made them all wear dresses, which I'm totally a fan of because everyone looks so pretty. But, <laughs> well, they're <laughs> the most memorable. They do memorable line. Oh, sorry. Oh no,
0: I was just gonna say, don't they wear dresses? Because Hermione wears a a periwinkle blue dress, doesn't
2: she? No, she wears periwinkle blue robes. Oh,
1: she wears robes. Okay. Yeah. Well, not. It's that. decidedly unsexy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
1: I can't speak yeah, to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: do you want to admit to something? <laughs> but. yeah
2: I don't know but I love this is one of the most memorable lines in the series for me is when McGonagall from McGonagall the u-ball is of course a chance for us to all er let our hair down so <laughs> I just remember reading this like and I just thought it like at this point I was as a nine-year-old girl was reading this like and was just so excited at this point like reading it being like this is great like <laughs> I was not expecting this but I love it. So then McGonagall pulls Harry aside after class, and the true night my- nightmare for him really begins because Harry has to find a dance partner not just for the evening but to open up the whole. Evening with the other champions with like a dance, which is like worst nightmare alert. Like, absolute. Like, even if he's fourteen on top of it, like he's getting like, oh, God, can't even imagine. No,
0: that's that's kind of, it's funny with this because I we're we're hosting. This is all perfect timing because we're actually hosting a Yule ball at my bookstore, um, in a few in about a week, and um, the well, my boss suggested. The bookstore
2: sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, my boss.
0: <laughs> My boss suggested that um for since we can't really give out a monetary prize for for anything at the party she she thought maybe the the prize for like best costume or whatever we're gonna do at the party could be um that the winner gets to lead the last dance, and I was like, I think that would be more of a punishment
2: a Because <laughs> yeah. I it's, certainly would it's
0: certainly seen that way here. Um, I can't imagine most people this age want to go out in front of everybody and dance formally.
2: Especially when, Eric, as you said, they've never, they've never even seen what a dance is. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So, Harry, very adamantly, is like, nope, nah, not happening, uh -uh." uh-uh. But McGonagall is just like, nope, it's happening, can't do anything about it, and, in the film, there's that perfection of a scene where McGonagall, like, teaches them how to dance, and that is, like, the second best ad- non-canon addition to ever happen to the series. Like, I love it so much. It's hilarious. It should have been in the book. J.K. Rowling, why weren't you thinking of that? That was pretty <laughs> any
0: Any reason to have more Maggie Smith, right?
2: Right. And the <laughs> more Weasley twins. It was just everything I love in one scene.
0: Yeah, and so. it, it it came out like it, it, what was nice about it is that it came out like Rowling wrote it, like she could have written right. that.
2: Right. So. And the girls, how they're all excited and stuff. Yeah, and was that was pretty like, funny. Nah, not
1: having While it. flowering it up.
2: Right. So, but it's not even just the dancing he has to worry about. He has to ask out a girl. And granted, this is like the most nerve-wracking thing ever. Like I would have meant, like during prom when you're like 17. But like I said, Harry's 14. He, basically, he, like, just realized he likes a girl for the first time and now he has to ask her <laughs> out. Like,
1: it's
2: a lot to handle. For sure. So, a quote I really like, it says, It was amazing how many girls Hogwarts suddenly seemed to hold. He had never quite noticed that before. Girls giggling and whispering in the corridors. Girls shrieking with laughter as boys passed. Girls excitedly comparing notes on what they were going to wear on Christmas night. So I thought this was interesting because, really, as a reader... We sort of feel this way, too, since it's coming from... Since the books come from Harry's perspective, up to this point, all of his, like, acquaintances are male. Like, obviously, there's Ron and Hermione, and, like, Ginny exists. But, like, as far as his age, you know, we hear Neville, Dean, Seamus, the Weasley twins, Malfoy, all those, like, people. It's all, like, guys. So, this is really, like, the first time... This is really the point in the series where, like, other female characters his age start getting, like, introduced and developed.
1: Yeah. Hermione isn't... Um, you know Hermione's kind of different from the pack because she doesn't. She hangs with the boys a little bit more, right. um, and you know that's why Harry, and, Henry, and Ron know her. But like, like what you're saying, you know, with the guys, they're kind of together more often, and the girls are kind of with other girls, but they're they're elsewhere. They're just not where Harry is.
0: Well, yeah. and I like that because Hermione blatantly points this out a few times in the chapter that
4: mm-hmm. it's kind
0: of like, oh, you finally figured out I'm a girl, and it's. It, it it is that's a really great observation that as as the reader we kind of end up feeling the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Rowling kind of uses this chapter to be like, "Hey, there are girls at Hogwarts, and, and they're
2: all stereotypically giggles.
0: <laughs> they're it's all ste- except for Hermione.
3: Everyone except Ginny and Hermione. <laughs> oh. Well, and and the very <laughs> tall girl giggles. who's kind of very forceful and is you are like, 'You're gonna dance with oh, me.' Yeah. <laughs> Happens, you
4: know.
3: Yeah, so, there's Bella. a few others.
2: I like really want to make a that so raven reference but literally no one will get it so i'm gonna move Aww, on thank
1: you for <laughs> not making the so raven reference <laughs>
2: all right anyway um and i love that this quote was translated to the movie word for word of why do they have to move in packs <laughs> but
1: they do don't they
0: they do at least from what I've, I've that this this is another one of those chapters i think why it's so genius is because it is I think it's always fun to see an author, an older author who just gets the age group she's writing, he or she is writing for so well. Mm -hmm. Because this is so on point. Right. For, for her to be that distanced from high school and middle school. This is exact. Like I went to a high school. I went to a charter school for high school and there were like, you know, 20 of us in senior year. So it was a lot more compact and, you know, everybody knew everybody's business. But I mean, something like, a dance would, like, did kind of get this kind of, like, I mean, this was almost like a daily thing at our school. You know? Mm -hmm. This kind of drama. Um, So it is really, it is so perfect.
2: Yeah. And, like, of course Harry isn't even making it easy easy on himself because he wants to ask Cho, who's like, you know, my personal opinions of Cho aside is, you know, popular and pretty and older and it's like, i lower, man. Like you're 14. Like <laughs> if you're that nervous, like just just go go for safe. Don't mm-hmm. don't reach.
4: But,
2: oh. Uh, well, yeah, because he gets Ron, quite
0: a few offers. So.
2: Yeah, and that's it. Ron rather accurately predicts that people will be lining up to go with Harry. In tribute to their recently repaired friendship, Ron kept the bitterness in his voice to a bare minimum. Oh,
4: but three
2: girls ask Harry to the ball, and he turns them all down. You know, Mr. Big Shot all the time, but <laughs> I gotta give these girls credit. Lady
1: Crusher, uh, Harry, Harry Lady Killer, uh, Potter.
2: Yeah. But, like, I really give these girls credit because, like, first of all, they're strangers, and, like, Sadie Hawkins' style is a bit intimidating as it is. Like, I asked my d- date to my senior prom, and, it, like, you know, it's scary, but he's not just, like, anyone, he's Harry Potter, and he's. Like famous, and he's also like you know gonna be opening the dance and stuff. So like this third year girl like asks him like, "Good for you, girl."
3: Asking yeah. the savior of the wizarding world to go out to a dance with you, your first and probably only dance, which is kind of yeah
2: weird. But yeah, if you're gonna do it, do it up.
4: Well, yeah, yeah. The third
0: year girl wasn't even she wouldn't even be allowed to go if she doesn't get a date, and she went for yeah. Harry Potter, <laughs> like.
2: Right, like, <laughs> I mean, there's there's some randos throughout the, the like school. <laughs> just go for one of them, but
0: well, and Harry uh, somewhat fairly does point out that a lot of these girls are really just asking him because he's famous and they don't because yeah. they actually know him. Um, whereas you know, with Cho, but, uh, while he is Cho setting too. the bar high, like she, he has encountered her before with because he plays against her in Quidditch. Um, Yeah, no, that's true. So, but, but that, but yeah, no, I did, I did still feel bad for these poor girls, especially poor third year Hufflepuff girl. I mean,
2: getting rejected by anything is awful. So didn't, but to be, (laughs) to tell
0: your children years down the line that you were rejected by Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, no, that's that's the part where you play up I went to school with Harry Potter <laughs> I asked right? him out and he considered it All this it. stuff kept happening all, Maybe you don't even mention that Because then people say what happened Oh, he turned me down But yeah, I went to school with Harry Potter And every year we had a new defense against the dark arts teacher And all sorts of stuff was crazy and happened No,
0: no, you change it and you say
1: He asked me and
0: I turned him <laughs> down
4: And I said
0: no <laughs> oh,
2: Better, better, Better answer <laughs> Yeah But, sort of, as a tangent, uh, Harry's life is said to be improving. Him and Ron are biffles again. Cedric's got the Hufflepuffs under control for mocking him. And, like, Draco keeps quoting the story still, but, like, people are kind of over it and not laughing. And we find out, as, like I said, in sort of tangent to the meat of the chapter, that Rita's interview with Hagrid, that she kind of only wanted to unearth, like, juicy stories about Harry being this troubled kid... Because Harry says she can't keep writing about what a tragic little hero I am; it'll get boring.
1: Yeah, I was relieved upon reading this because Hagrid seems to not have had that bad of a time um, with her. You know, I well, suppose. to you know
2: what? Remember what happens to him?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the but at the, on the actual date, he thinks it's a little weird that she kept asking about Harry. Um, but like right now, there's kind of this lull where it's just like, oh, that wasn't so bad. That Skeeter woman, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, it is. It's the calm before the storm, because could yeah. really...
2: Right, I would not trust her as far as I could throw her. I'm surprised, like, Harry and all are still like, hey, I guess he escaped a bullet. I'd be <laughs> waiting eagerly. But um, it's rumored that all of the crazy rumors and gossip are flying, and it's said that Dumbledore ordered 800 barrels of mulled mead, which Harry's like, obviously that's not true, but is it really obvious, because... The Wizarding World's got a pretty lax attitude towards alcohol. <laughs> They're pulling out all the stops, so, like you know.
3: I not... actually tried to look up and see if mead was an alcoholic drink, and it is, but um, it actually is a traditional Christmas drink. So that's another like that. I could see it kind of being true to that, and mm-hmm. also the fact that it's fourth years and up, and technically it's going to be like mostly 15, 16, and seventeen year old wizards that are dancing there. Um, isn't the drinking age in Britain like sixteen, or somewhere there? Like no. it's more of a, oh, Eight, it's eighteen. Eighteen. Well, okay, Harry no,
0: in, in, in the Wizarding world though, it's seventeen, isn't it? Because Harry has his I first mean, I guess, fire. Yeah. They all have fire whiskey, and I know it's mm-hmm. because of the Mad Eye Moody thing later. But it's implied that he's legal at that because in the Wizarding world, you're legal at seventeen.
3: True. Yeah, mm. I, it is implied seventeen, and but, Harry does you know drink mead when he's sixteen because Dumbledore brings it with him before they go like right, but yeah
2: so i wouldn't necessarily say that was like illegal going's on but like you know let's have a drink because we're relaxed about this <laughs>
0: <laughs> that comes from school of funds lucius malfoy would have had to know about the means, so no <laughs> well i think weren't
1: um, weren't aren't all the champions from the other schools at least 17 yeah yes so it's i mean i don't know about 800 barrels um but, you know, the fact that all the champions from the other schools can drink, um...
2: Heard, it, wait, what does that even work out to, number-wise? Like, how many barrels does each person get?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Based on how many people are in school, it's ridiculous, you know, who are legal? I mean, sure, there's other people like Ludo Bagman and stuff who come, right. you know, to see the Yule Ball for its spectacle, but... That's the uh, gift,
2: that's the, like, gift bag. You get a whole barrel of I've Yeah, <laughs> several <laughs> barrels
1: of meat have been delivered to your, you know, to your quarters, um... Yeah, it's a heck of a party favor
2: But Dumbledore did book The Weird Sisters Which thankfully in the movie Spawned three actually like legitimately Good songs, like I listened to one of them On like a daily basis Are they
1: good? Are they really good?
2: I think the slow song is a beautiful song I okay. listen to it Like all the time Okay. And Do the Hippogriff is great The other ones, whatever.
1: I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. But the Weird Sisters always kind of weirded me out in the books. I was glad there weren't more of them, but it is kind of a missed part of the culture where you're like, okay, the Weird Sisters are huge, but who else is there? There's Celestina Warbeck we know of. You know, she's yeah.
2: I was gonna actually ask that uh, to you guys. Of you know, this is the only band we kind of hear for of the youth. Do you think there's a lot else out there, or is like booking the Weird Sisters the equivalent of like booking someone like Lady Gaga? Like that's as high up as it goes, or something. I think that, like, as far as youth pop culture goes, I think the
0: Weird Sisters are pretty high up. I mean, Tonks is like sporting one of their shirts, right? Like mm. she she mm. loves them, and yeah. so the, yeah, no, I think they're they're pretty. Like yeah, her,
2: Ginny has a poster in her room. Yeah,
0: no, and and I mean Tonks is kind of like a. Uh, she's, she's kind of frequently referred to by Rolling kind of more as like a punk wizard. So I think that, they, like, definitely for that crowd. Yeah. She's the, the weird sisters, which are probably mm. top of the, top of the charts. So, but I always thought it was funny that the weird sisters are guys. <laughs> Cause I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I don't for know the where it says, does it
1: say that in this chapter? Cause I'm trying to, I think it like, mentions, think where it might briefly
0: mention it when they get on stage at the ball yeah. that they're guys. But I didn't know until the video games were released because in the video games they all the wizard all the all the Weird Sisters have wizarding cards. Yeah, <laughs> so, and there's so many of them too.
3: They're all guys, and there's some really weird instruments with them because I looked it up when it had. Yeah. It. And there's like a guy. There's a rhythm guitar and lead guitar and drums and bass and a lead singer like you'd normally see. But then they have a bagpipe player, a cello player, and a lute player. So, like, Sounds like an Irish thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's very That's what the Irish do.
3: I didn't think of love that, it. I guess.
2: Yeah. Bagpipes all around. Lady but... Gaga
0: would probably love them.
2: <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, I'd say that's a fair equivalent.
2: So some of the teachers on the day of fall like give up on teaching or leading up to it, but most others power through. And well, that reminds me like on my like pro- senior prom day, like My last class of the day was Calculus, and, like, (laughs) no one else taught except my Calculus teacher. Like, she kept (laughs) us the whole time to do a Calc lesson and wanted to kill her. Shout out to my least favorite teacher I've ever had. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) Was that why, Laura? Was that...
2: Uh, It was many reasons. I'm not... I'm the worst... the worstest at Calc there could ever be. (laughs) Can I just point
0: out, too, that once again we have Snape threatening to poison everybody... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like he's like, okay. It
2: happens a bit too often yeah, he, for anyone to ever say like Snape's the best.
0: Yeah, I really like that he like every time that like everybody's happy and jolly, Snape's like, I'm going to test you on antidotes for poison. <laughs> that's come up a lot.
3: You have to admit that'd be yeah. effective way of teaching, though.
0: Yeah, I suppose if so. If you were
3: threatened with that, like you'd want to learn and you'd want to get it right pretty quick. Well, <laughs> if we start using attempted
2: murder as justifications for <laughs> teaching I feel like we're verging into a dangerous territory <laughs> But um, one of my favorite scenes in the book and the movie for that matter they're done in slightly different ways is um fred asking angelina to the yule ball to prove how like no pressure the situation can be if you just don't make it like it's kind of what you make of it where he's just like oh yeah i'm going with angelina oh i should probably ask her oh you want to go yeah sweet okay bye (laughs) like and it's like that's it it's totally fine i love it i think it's great in the movie it's great in the books love the weasley twins Yes. In case you guys haven't noticed,
0: (laughs) we know who you'll be asking to the old ball.
2: Yes, (laughs) I like. Yeah, do you notice it never says who George goes with? I know it was me me all along.
0: No, uh, there you go. Oh, I like that. Good. We have a date for
2: yes. Nineteen ninety-four. That's that's my personal personal headcanon
1: She used a time turner. (laughs) Oh, okay.
2: So Ron's a jerk and a typical boy because he only like, wants to take a hot girl. And doesn't <laughs> care if his, pers- if his personality uh. sucks. Won't take a girl like Elo- Eloise whose nose is off center. And understandably, Hermione's quite hurt by these statements. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was-
1: she's, yeah. Got a, she's got to She's got to stand up for her race <laughs> here. Her and, race. And <laughs> she, her identity. She feels it. It's it's hurtful. Ron is hurtful. Ron's a jerk. We know this. Um, yeah, it's not cool to be as shallow as he's being. Yeah, no, it that's it's especially rough here because I think at least for those
0: of us who were on the Ron Hermione, you know, ship for the whole series, like I think a lot of people started detecting that around Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban. So to see him say this, like this, is a new level of hurtful to Hermione. I believe um
2: i mean honestly this is why like it mean not being a like ron hermione shipper doesn't mean i'm harry hermione like that's not what i'm getting no, at no, no. but like i i just like ron's such a jerk like <laughs> consistently throughout the whole series like hermione deserves better <laughs> like there's no point in the series where i can like understand hermione like liking him he just is like bully for like chat book one and then like making fun of not like making fun of, but doing this in Goblet of Fire and then doing what he does in Half Blood Prince, it's like consistently bad. (laughs) Like so I don't know. I'm not I never necessarily understood I it's not that I don't understand whatever.
1: Right. (laughs) I get what you're saying.
2: But anyway. I digress. <laughs> Hogwarts is pulling out of pulling out all the stops for Christmas. There is permanent ice ice schools on the banisters. The Christmas trees are bedecked, and the suits of armor are singing Christmas carols to anyone that passes them, which I imagine gets really annoying. But it's probably like essentially the same as like omnipresent Christmas music on the radio.
0: <laughs> I yeah. I hope they're a little. I know I know she said everyone who passes by. I hope the statues are a little more discerning. Cause yeah, right.
2: Does it become like a row, row, row your boat like scenario <laughs> where like one person sings and then another person and then the next one like joins it? You know, it would be
0: great. Is to, like if you had like if you're like everybody come watch this and go down to like an empty corridor and then they're the light like, lined with statues and just run, run down the <laughs> row and see what happens.
3: <laughs> I'd even wonder, yeah. if they'd be triggered by like ghosts that were going by because would they be? considered like their personality sort of thing, so like even just like nearly headless neck going down a hallway all of a sudden it rubs into song.
4: You
0: know? <laughs> it would be sad if I'm a-
3: didn't.
2: I actually I have a few like legitimate hard pressing questions about these these <laughs> uh suits of armor. This passing question I'm gonna I'm gonna delve deep. Okay. It says that they're singing O come all ye faithful which is a Christmas song that's rooted in like actual religious meaning of the holiday. And I always kind of got the impression that the Wizards kind of celebrate Christmas more on the... Commer- not commercial, but, like, not for its religious reasons. Like, I don't think they're just all, like, Christians that celebrate Christmas. They just kind of celebrate Christmas through the trees and the presents and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But because You Faith was, like, straight-up religious, like, do they consider, like, the religious aspects of the holiday then? Like, are the Christmas carols are all singing Muggle... Do the suits of armor know the dance routine to Jingle Bell Rock? Like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have. You know, Laura, I like this question so much, I would love to turn it into the podcast question of the week, but that's just my thoughts on it. How seasonal. I,
2: I think there might, uh, I'm not sure.
1: Well, I'd,
0: I mean, the only response I can think for it is that in the fifth book, Harry, hears serious singing, God rest you Mary hippogriffs. <laughs> So, there, <laughs> so th- 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 there are songs, I guess, that they they've taken some traditional Christmas songs and put wizarding spins on them. So I wonder if they do actually sing Oh, Come All You Faithful" with the right lyrics. Oh,
2: yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> or if very they've true. they've repurpo- because if it's a parody, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so, because I think I think you're probably more on the mark that they. I don't think they. I don't think wizards celebrate Christmas for the religious aspect. Um, yeah, and you know, I—that's—that's that's a tough thing because I think Rowling didn't put religion in because there was really no reason to, right? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that does raise a good question about whether there are, like,
2: and it was the same thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they go home for isn't Easter? Yeah, like, it, also celebrate. Yeah, that's yeah, another they do. thing. But... What
0: about the wizards at Hogwarts who celebrate Hanukkah? I'm just asking as the yeah. as a resident Jew. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with Hanukkah <laughs> do they play dreidel Does there, do they play dreidel at <laughs> there's a
2: dreidel
1: club, <laughs> a
0: dreidel club. A,
2: when you're walking down the hall there's a dreidel that follows you <laughs> <and> it's just <laughs> running down the hall one after
0: enchanted dreidels I like that yeah <laughs>
2: Well, Harry finally asked Cho to the ball in the most awkward way possible. He's really got enunciation problems. Like he's like, "Want to go ball with me?" Like, which is like the same thing as Targanelli. He should but, he
1: should have done the um, well. That's a movieism, but still, he, he should have done uh, what red red leather, yellow leather. The diction, uh, the diction yeah. um, building uh, the <laughs> exercise with your mouth as he was before walking up speaking. To Cho, with Cho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: But, uh, Cho said she's already going with someone. Cedric, Cedric Dickery. And suddenly, Cedric is the very worst person to ever live. <laughs> so, uh, I like, I really honestly did though enjoy reading, not enjoy, but like, it was very good writing on the feelings Harry was having as far as describing his insides of like, that they were like all mushy and then there were none at all and then there were led. Like, I was like feeling that with him and I was like associating, like, Similar experiences, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was just really good writing. Oh, yeah. It's
1: handled well. It's handled tenderly. Um, Harry isn't completely, like, can't go on living. Um, but it is, a, it's it's a character moment, you know, and yeah. he, gr- he grows from this experience. Right. I do love that, but, like you said,
0: Laura, though, that he completely turns on Cedric. Because he was kind of being yeah. okay with Cedric. He was like,
1: oh, he probably told everybody. Cedric's a sp- good yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a good guy.
0: He's yeah. helped. The people wearing the badges, and then suddenly he's like, "He's a pretty boy. He doesn't have enough brains to fill an egg cup."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's pretty harsh,
2: right? Exactly. <laughs> and but it's all not nearly as bad as Ron storming up to Flor Delacour and asking her to the ball, which just <laughs> as absurd as it gets. But the thing that I want to know is like, this is fine, like all embarrassing and funny, like in this moment. But like, Flora becomes his sister-in-law, and I want to <laughs> know if like every Christmas from now on, like, if it's still a running joke, like, hey, remember that time you asked me to the ball? And then ran away. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oof. Or if it's, like, because Florin, like, uh, like, never brings up, necessarily, like, the fact that Ron had, like, a crush on her or something, which is, like, I just wonder, as they matured and got, like, 30, <laughs> like, if it was just a joke, still. But
0: I'd like to think it awkward. was, but
2: yes. in a way
0: to, you know... The funny thing about that moment is that Harry at least tries to dampen it by being like, "Oh, she was doing that for Cedric. She was like turning on her Vila aspects for a moment." Yeah. So turning
2: on the old charm. The old digging. charm.
0: <laughs> so it, it wasn't. It wasn't you. Like it was. It was her. Like it was a spell. And I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, that that was nice of Harry to say that." So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but uh you know, we find out Hermione turned down Neville. And that Neville's now going with Ginny, and Ginny's all embarrassed about it. But, I love but I...
0: The, that hint drop there, though, because Ginny gets really upset about it when Harry. Sa- Ginny, there's just these like two lines in that moment. The one is where Harry says that he tried to ask out Cho, and Ginny stops smiling. And the yeah. other one is when he says that that Ron tries to hawk Ginny off on Harry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and she's like
2: basically just being like, "Oh, yeah, like she's there; she'll go with yeah, you." Yeah, like,
0: yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, I'm going with Neville." And then it's so sad because you know this is kind of the first, this is the first hint, sense chamber of secrets that we really get that there that Ginny still has feelings for Harry. Um, hmm. cause yeah, because she was like, "Dang it, I could have gone to the ball with Harry." <laughs> so close,
2: right? And I, I actually wanted to ask that how. Would you think the night, like, what would have happened, let's say Ron did ask Hermione and Harry did go with Ginny, would anything, have, like, in, like, with Hermione looking all pretty and the whole, like, romance of all of it, since they're not going to be, like, all angry that they're with the Patil twins, hmm. like, do you think their relationships would have progressed faster had they been each other's Yule ball dates, even if both of them had gone as friends? Uh, I
1: think. I definitely think so. Um, because you're you're experiencing that stuff together. It's these dances, as we learn, don't come around too often. And I think just the physical act of being that intimate, dancing with somebody, uh, would absolutely um increase it. Whereas with the Patil twins, you're right; they all kind of they end up with these partners that they don't necessarily want um or expect. And they get
2: win- bitter at like you yeah
1: know,
2: everything that's happening. I wonder if Harry would have still been like a because ju- Harry is like I can under- not understand. It's not justified, but. Ron being a jerk to Padma because he's having all these feelings about Hermione and Crum. Like Harry's like all mad about Cho and I wonder if like he would have been that way if he had taken Ginny. Like if he would have been still openly like
3: dis- so.
0: What do you think, Kat?
3: I think he would have cuz like at this moment he's really and truly in love with Cho and Cho is the older one with the crush. And it would still be thinking, like, okay, Ginny's Ron's little sister, and it's that kind of thing. Especially if it was set up in the way that Ron did it, like, okay, I'm just going to pass my little sister off on you so that you can have a date to dance with. If it's that way, and it wasn't like he actually got up, he actually went and found her himself, he would still be like, oh, I wonder what Cho's doing right now. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I think think it's still, they're still at that immature age where it would kind of be like, yeah, you're a nice girl but I'm still only with you right now because your brother said I could go right. in the right yeah. friend zone. I,
0: I think that's what would have happened because we get a sense throughout these chapters that while Harry has is starting to you know be interested in girls, he's he doesn't have any sense of romance. <laughs> at all (laughs) and i think Ginny probably (laughs) if she had gotten to go with harry she probably would have envisioned a very romantic evening um full of you know perfect dancing and just oh they would have kissed at midnight and it just would have been so perfect and harry would not deliver on that at all um
2: so it's probably for. The it's better, the <laughs> I, I think better Harry kind of has happen. to
3: experience the downside of dating Cho, like get that first dream girl out of his head, and is shown yeah. to be a, a, a cro- you know, be a weepy kind of girl and go like, "Oh, this isn't really what I thought it would be." Before he can look at other girls and realize, "Hey, you know, there's other women here. I can maybe give them a chance."
0: Yeah, I think that's very on point. I don't know what would have, I don't know what to say about. I, I think that might, I, I think that'd probably be similar with ron and hermione is well i think hermione would probably be more resigned to the fact that she's not again get, gonna get an uber romantic evening out of ron but i think her expectations would still be higher than the result
2: yeah i think the fact that hermione is like all pretty is one thing but i think the thing that honestly makes ron realize that he has some sort of feelings are the fact that he sees her with crumb like that's the be like yes moment of jealousy because obviously ron's like One of his many fatal flaws is that he's, like, a super jealous person, so, you know. Yeah. That had a lot to do with it, but, you know, Hermione kind of mocks Harry and Ron for being turned down by the people they ask, and, like, I love when they're all, like, cracking up laughing, and Hermione's like, oh, what are they laughing about, and Jenny's like, oh, they just got turned down by their dates, and then they just, like, stop laughing. (laughs) But, but, you know, Ron quickly spirals into saying all of the wrong things he could possibly ever say. She's so he's like, oh, Hermione, you're a girl, <laughs> and, like, you obviously wouldn't be asked by anyone, because, like, who would ever do that, so you might as well go to the ball with me as my last resort, and Hermione says, obviously, that she's going with someone else, and that Ron doesn't believe her and everything, so... Then Harry, very, as you said, Michael, like, unromantically just asked Par- uh, Parv- Parvati to go with him. Like, very, like, business, like, <laughs> transaction type thing. of like, you don't have a date? Great, cool, we're going. And uh, who can Ron bring? Great, cool, we're going. <laughs> can I put like,
0: your sister in this bargain? Hey, what can we do here? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, you know, I find it, one of the Gryffindor guys, it's either Dean or Seamus, says, like, later, that um, the Patil twins are two of the best-looking girls in the year. So I find it kind of hard to believe yeah. that no one ask them already what the heck or that like what that they wouldn't ask someone i don't know what so, yeah i right.
0: agree with that entirely the patilla twins are implied to be very very good looking young ladies so i am very surprised that they they were not approached and the funny thing too is they both parvati and lavender kind of were eyeing harry anyway um so maybe parvati was just waiting to see if harry would ask her yeah she-
2: I would have assumed that, like, Dean would have taken Parvati because Seamus is taking Lavender, <laughs> but whatevs. So then it says, Harry went back over to Ron, feeling that this ball was a lot more trouble than it was worth and hoping very much that Badmuth Teal's nose was dead center.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things in the life. The
2: end of one of my favorite chapters.
1: <laughs> well, oh, I said it's it's really the little things
0: that oh, you yeah, have no to worry about, right? Dating, dating in the magical world is not easier with a, with magic.
1: They're- you know, I forgot how, um, kind of funny this chapter was and, and in relation to boy girl stuff because a lot of people peg book six as being the romance book. Yeah, Um, if
2: this is, like, a Disney Channel sitcom, like, Half-Blood Prince is, like, the Disney Channel original movie, like, as far as, like, those (laughs) aspects of it. I don't know. I want want to bump (laughs) this—can
0: we bump this up to the level of, like, a Disney, like, theatrical release comedy? (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I think this is more on that level. This is—it's really—this is really well-written stuff, and the thing is, it's—I always thought it was funny that this ended up getting the most—probably full transfer to the movie— um, yeah, as opposed that to a good point. everything else in the book, because as, while this is fun in the book and it really is, it's a great break from the intensity. Um, it doesn't, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's, It. It segues really nicely in the book. Whereas in the movie, it's pretty jarring. Um, especially cause they don't really know how to get out of it once it's over. Um,
2: yeah, it does. It's kind of weird, but so. also, I like, and this is more pertinent, I guess, to the next chapter, but I remember watching the bonus features on the Goblet of Fire DVD, and they, like, do this, like, dance thing. Like, it's Mike, it's someone teaching them, not, like, the ballroom dance, but, like, uh, everyone's doing, like, the same, like, choreographed dance that was, like, cut out of the movie, but it's never seen anywhere, and I've spent many times looking for it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, the the choreographed stuff was cut pretty short in the film I, l- I liked though that dan had like no idea how to dance and they like he had less training than the rest of them because he was filming the underwater scenes and so then mm. like he in all of his interviews he's like oh no i was i was just i was just being character no that was mm-hmm. i was just being Harry. it's not that i didn't know i could dance <laughs> and, like, i could cut a run okay, i can i
1: can vouch for dan's dancing because if you saw him on broadway man <laughs> yeah Philly, that changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that picked up. I've seen that man do things that I didn't think it was possible to do with the human body. Yeah, so no,
0: that was insane what he was doing and how to succeed in it.
1: <laughs> all the power to Dan for that. Of course, um, we do have a podcast question of the week for everybody. And this is a, a bit lighter coming off the huge house of discussion which occupied the first part of this podcast and all of last week's episode. Um, this is a very light one. Uh, our podcast question of the week is as follows. In this chapter, the characters scramble to find partners for the upcoming Surprise Yule Ball. This event is the only dance to occur as a scheduled event at Hogwarts, and consequently none of the characters are particularly in practice. Apart from the void in school dances in the Harry Potter books, what additional school activities that you have experienced would you like to see transferred to Hogwarts? Now, we've talked a little bit about this before. There's the chess club, the gobstones club, but uh, I'd like to Not see what clubs, more people can think events. of with a magical turn, uh, what you can come up with.
2: Yeah, be more creative using magic to like interpret these like school events and not just the clubs, like social events.
1: Yes, social events, pep rallies, homecomings, uh, maybe a float. Can you imagine like if they had a float parade or something <laughs> like, <laughs> <Homecoming>. <laughs> well, we're done giving you ideas. The uh, interest or the, the intelligence creativity of our listeners always surprises us. So please do not let this podcast question of the week be any different.
0: And uh, as a secondary question, will if, if any of you come to the, to the bookstore, any of you listeners come into the bookstore to my Yule ball, will you dance with me?
1: <laughs> one go ball with me
2: where is your bookstore <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's in Albuquerque it's Alamosa Books everybody should check you can check it out online and
2: everyone buy a flight to Albuquerque
0: yeah right you do not want to miss this this is going to be big we've already got 80 people signed up um, So oh.
1: will they fit in your bookstore because you should probably not invite people if it's going to violate <laughs> fire hazard
0: <laughs> we're good we're good I, I, I don't think unfortunately like LeakyCon we didn't give everybody enough advance notice so I think We'll get that one person who comes from, like, what, Kansas or something. That has happened before for author events. But, but we also wanted to thank our guest tonight. Thank you, Catelyn, so much for being thank on the you. show today. Thank that you. was a lot of fun. And it was so cool to actually be able to hear you discuss the comment that you wrote on the forum.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun to discuss it. Thank you for
2: having me. So if you would like to be on the show like Catelyn, you can... Find out how by heading over to our website and checking out the Be On The Show page at the top of alohomora.mugglenut.com. Please make sure you have appropriate audio equipment so you can record yourself, and in the meantime, subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes.
1: And there are multiple ways that you can contact us if you have a thought or a theory or anything else at all that would be relevant to the show. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Twitter.com slash mn or at MN on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dumbledore. And we have a hotline. You can leave us a voicemail. Call us anytime. Uh... 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. And you've heard on this episode a comment that was left to us via Audioboo. Audioboo is a great, uh easy way for you to leave a voice uh comment to us. And you can find that, Audioboo, right on the main page, alohamora.buckle.com. Uh, of the podcast. And you can leave us your thoughts. All you need is a microphone. It is completely free and not subject to tolls or any of the other things you may find on a phone. So.
0: And of course, if you are heading to any Yule Balls this season, you're going to want a gift for your date. And we have a store just for you. We have t-shirts, short and long sleeve because it's getting cold out there. It's actually snowing here in New Mexico. Tote, Yeah, tote bags, sweatshirts, flip-flops, uh, for later, obviously. Water bottles, travel well, mugs. Right now. <laughs> flip flops are right Where now. Wear those flip flops right now. Water bottles, travel mugs, and more coming soon. We also have the Mandrake Liberation Front and Desk Pig shirts now available. We have over 80 products to choose from to romance your Yule Ball date. And we also have ringtones, so you can have something to dance to at the Yule Ball. So you can dance to our theme song. So, yes, check it out.
1: There is, of course, the Alohomora app for your phone. Available seemingly worldwide. Prices do vary, but this app uh, is really fun. You can get transcripts to the episode, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs. Sometimes we add a little video, and it is accessible via downloading this app, uh, which information for you can find on our website, uh, which once again is alohamora.bugglenet.com. Well, I believe that concludes this episode of Alohomora. Thank you all for listening. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Michael Harley.
2: I'm Laura Riley. Thank you for listening to episode 60 of Lope Nora.
1: Open the Dumbledore! Uh, one moment while the train goes by. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Michael Gambon? Go to ball with me. Won't go ball with me. Go. will go ball with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Professor McGonagall. will to go ball with me. Go to ball with me. <laughs> that sounds more like Hagrid, doesn't it? Ah <laughs> oh, yes, um, Madam Maxime. one go ball with me. Madam, Maxime. Yeah. yeah. How could you say no to that, Laura?